This episode contains adult language, mature situations, strange meats, hilariously stereotypical pseudo-Italians, cunningly evil men of the law, manipulative proprietors of suspicious bakeries, the musical stylings of Stephen Soundheim, and the tragic life of a revenge-seeking homicidal barber. Listener discretion is advised. American Movie Review, episode 88. Revenge was never so delicious. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sparkin Movie Review, some podcasts about reviews about connected and narratives. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjour, and what's up? Yep, we're back for another fun episode. And joining me today is... Uh, I'm uh, Vinny from All Geeks Considered. And also the panel head from... Anime Next 2013. Yep. And are you going to be panel chair again next year, or are you? Be- oh yes, panel chair and workshop chair. I I think it's already been uh, foisted upon me. So plans for next year? Are you going to have them build a giant throne for you where you could sit anonymously? Maybe, but I I think the chairman gets one of those first, and then like somewhere down the line, I get a smaller chair to sit in. Maybe mm. there's a stool, like three legs, maybe, maybe four. I'm lucky. Mm, maybe if you're lucky, and then you could just have, or maybe you could have some of the volunteers hoist you around on one of those, um, those booths that used to, they used to have the kings walk around in. Have them oh, so it says around. some litter or something. Yes, <laughs> that that is definitely, uh, you know, a possibility. However, I usually, like I stayed pretty much in one place all weekend though, so a throne, maybe better, maybe one of those like a. Uh, Things from Star Trek, Star Wars Episode One, the uh, the walking chair from a new Gunray. Oh yeah, yeah, one of those. That'd be kind of cool. 
That'd be cool. Um, but uh, before I forget, um, you can check out any of our early episodes at www.spyrokin.com or allgeeksconsidered.com. Email us, spyrokin at gmail.com or me at zanspyrokin.com and you can email Vinny at... Uh, you can email me at agcbloggers at gmail.com. Oh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, VinnyAvAGC. Where you rant about lots of stuff and make comments about your different episodes. Um, so... For those of you who don't know, this is our second theme month in the year of 2013, and it is our month of melodies, music, and mostly mercurial protagonists, our musical month. We talk about different types of musicals throughout this month. And uh, so, Vinny, what was the first musical you remember seeing? That Was it the typical Wizard of Oz, or was it something else? First, it's got to be something like Wizard of Oz, one of the Disney movies, something along those lines. Oh, the, Pope. Oh, the police are coming. Oh, no, run! <laughs> It's, it might be an ambulance. I don't know. Oh, it's an ambulance. Okay. Oh, is Vinny the third? Okay. I assume so. Probably drove past. Okay. All right. Um. But yeah. So it was one of the Disney films. Probably. I mean, they're so common, especially with kids' films, that when you're a child, you kind of just will watch a tape over and over and over again until it breaks. So I'm gonna go with one of the Disney films, probably one of the Disney Renaissance films. Okay, all right, that's a good one. And what about your first official musical you saw, possibly in that you knew was a musical, or what is one of your five favorite musicals? Okay, so top five be uh, Les Mis, mm-hmm. uh, My Fair Lady. These are these are no particular order. What's it Into about? Into the Woods is another one that I'd be on my list. Okay, Phantom. And I'd say Ragtime, another one of my favorites, just kind of going back. Those are That's a good uh, mix. For me, it's going to be, I go with, and you're going to think I'm crazy, but it's going to be Tommy, Rent, of course, Pippin, Chicago, and this film, or this musical we're going to be talking about today, which is actually supposedly uh, one of Soundheim's two most popular musicals. I believe that. Yeah, the other one is West Side Story, which I like a lot, but it's not as good as some of the other ones. Well, West Side Story does a lot of things that are really interesting when you look at it, technically speaking, so that kind of is why yes. that film does get up there. Yeah, it's also one of the first films with a Spanish protagonist, mm-hmm. which is, it's a big deal, which we were, we were thinking about doing for our last episode, but we're going to see how that goes. But, um, where are we going with this? Oh, yes, that's right. So, speaking of which, we've talked about musicals, and the thing is about these m- musicals, or that they, as we've talked about, they're an interesting mix of acting and singing to a such a degree. Some are completely terrible, like Sgt. Pepper, which we talked about, which was just, they said, we're going to copy these uh, Beatles songs and ruin it horribly. But on the other hand, we had Singing in the Rain, which was taking something unique and different, and it worked really well. Now, the film we're talking about today is, how would you describe the way that it worked from stage play to what it became? I've actually never seen a stage version of it. Uh, it's been staged several times. Uh, most recently in New York, there was a fairly inventive one where they actually had the entire cast was the orchestra. So uh, you know, the guy who played so many times, Michael Service, would play one instrument, and then Patti LuPone, who did Mrs. Love, would play another instrument. So it was a you know, very experimental design. I've read a lot about it, and I've seen clips of it, but I've never actually seen it. Um, but I've seen two of the concerts, or a... a there's a film thing that you can find with um, Angela Lansbury, Mrs. Lovett, and uh, I want to say Donald Hearn as Sweeney Todd, and then okay. another one uh, with Donald Hearn as Sweeney Todd again, and Patti LuPone and Mrs. Lovett. That was done several years later, I think. That was the one with uh, Neil Patrick Harris, right? Yes, he he played Toby in that one. 
Yes, which was an interesting take on it. That's actually the standard take, though. You generally have Toby played by an adult. Yeah, and he's played more... Not mentally handicapped, but he's more of a fool. It's, it, I mean, it's definitely ter- you can interpret it as some sort of, you know, mental handicap. I remember seeing it uh, upstate in Albany, done by college students, and it was an interesting take on it. The guy they got was obviously, it was an older student playing our protagonist, mm-hmm. and you had someone who's actually young playing Miss Loved, which was really unusual. Now, before we go any further, we should talk about what this, what this play musical is. Uh, directed by Tim Burton, produced by Richard D. Zanuck uh, and John mm-hmm. Logan. It was based on the play by Stephen Sondheim and Hugh Wheeler, which is actually stolen from the third adaptation of the myth, written by Christopher Bond. And, uh, what's it called? It, it is called Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Yes, an inch, a very horrific version of a musical, but oh so entertaining. For those of you who don't know, um, get down. So, the, the premise is this man has been released from prison, or has escaped from prison, you know, they don't quite go into it, after, you know, many years, comes back to London, and he wants revenge on the man who unjustly sent him to prison. And that is the basic premise of what is going on here. And there are several subplots uh, running through the whole piece. And you sort of go in through, through how he goes to get this revenge. Yeah, it goes from the point... The whole reason why this revenge happened is because the person who framed him was a magistrate, a judge, Judge Turpin, played by um, Hans Gruber, Severus Snipe, and the Sheriff of Nottingham himself. Alan Rickman. Yeah, and he he plays it perfectly as just that villainous, but he's kind of uh, self-vindicated. Like, he thinks he's doing right, mm-hmm. even though you know he's a fucked up asshole. Well, I mean, that's and the best kind of villain, though, is the one who, you know, thinks they're doing the right thing, but their, their concept of right is so broken from reality. Uh, he's the hero in his own mind. Mm-hmm. And even though you know he's so fucked up, I mean, he's... Frames our main character, Johnny Depp, uh, Benjamin Barker, because he wants to have sex with his wife, which he ends up getting. And then afterwards, she goes crazy and stuff happens to her. And then he adopts her daughter in the hopes of raising her. And then I want to fuck her. Pretty much? Uh, Yeah, it's that's a very skewed logic of right and wrong right there. You also see him. Uh, sentence a boy who's like maybe six because it's the second time he was um, arrested. He sentenced him to, what was it, Australia? Uh, it was hanging by the neck until dead. Oh, that's right. It, it was sentenced to it was not even It was not even exile. It was a uh, full-on execution. Yes, and then his way of convincing, um, his way of getting Mrs. Barker, that was just fucked up on so many levels. And it's also, unlike with all the other versions and the adaptations, it's done in a way which is very voyeuristic and kind of fucked it, up. It's, it's, it's more horrifying, yeah. Yeah, it's it's reminded me a little bit of Perfect Blue, where the scene where the pseudo-rape, where they're all watching, and it's not rape, but she just freaks out about it, and it's the same kind of that it's better not to show it. Satir, it probably was rape. Not only does it probably, yeah. it, it was. I mean, he, he drugs her, he then has his way with her, and everyone is watching. And laughing yeah. and pointing at her, and then she goes crazy and poisons herself with arsenic from the apocryphy down the street and sweeney benjamin barker comes back and he's like where's my wife and he meets this woman who knew him who was actually in love with him but back then who says yeah your wife went crazy killed herself but don't worry i'll take care of you everything will be fine and this is 
played by originally Angela Lansbury and then Patti Lapone, and now being played by Helena Bonham Carter because it's a Tim Burton film and she will be in it somewhere, probably in love with Johnny Depp. I'm surprised she's in the new Lone Ranger movie though. I was like, that's not a, a Tim Burton film, but she's in it too. Uh, she does films that, she's, that are not Tim Burton films. I mean, I, I prefer her in non-Tim Burton films. I think she does better work then. I think she's better when she there's no Tim Burton and no Johnny Depp. I think those are her more powerful films. I, when she could just shine on her own. Is, is Lone Ranger her first uh, Johnny Depp non-Tim Burton film? I can't... I think that. actually... Um, no, what, um, was she in Pirates? I don't think so. Oh, there's a lot of people who could have been played I, by her, but I don't think she was in those films. I could look in Wiki, but I'm not going to because we have lots of stuff up. So, <laughs> I'll look at that later. Or email us if you know the actual the answer to that question. But she plays, um, compared to Angela Blansbury, she seems more, not crazy, but she seems more lustful. There, there's definitely more of that in here. This is a little bit of a, um, for me, a bit of a... It does. I always imagine her a little more upbeat, and I could just because I associate Angela Lansbury with the part. Some of her songs don't quite fit with her character. I think they, they kind of kept the song to change the character. I agree. It's she's seen well. One, the character was always supposed to be a little bit older than Todd. Mm-hmm. She's supposed to be at least if Sweeney Todd will say is thirty years old. She was supposed to be forties, fifties, and this one she's actually younger than Sweeney Todd. Not by much, maybe like a year, but she's similar age, and she's lusting after him, and she seems more depressed. And the fact that they truncate a lot of her songs makes her, a, it changes her character a little bit in a way which it doesn't really work. Perfect. Well, we'll get into this, the song I'm thinking of in a bit, and I think it's the same song you're thinking of, which it brings her a little more humor and kind of just turns it off. But you have Sweeney uh, meeting, meeting Miss love it and her saying yeah yeah you could live upstairs i'll take care of you and this leads to a insidious plan to get judge turpin back and leads to cannibalism and murder yes it does <laughs> yeah it's the worst it's really the most insane plan you can come up with to try to pull something like that yeah. off and it didn't even start like that originally it was just i'm gonna murder the judge that's it and then because of one idiot it becomes, we're going to kill people and then cook them. Well, actually, no, it was, it was Anthony's fault why it all started like that. Um, was it Anthony's oh. fault, really? Well, oh, we, we didn't even explain. Anthony, who's played by, um, what is it, um, ba is it Jamie Bauer? Uh, I Anthony think is, so. Yes, Jamie Bauer. He is the, the sailor who saved Sweeney Todd from the ocean, brought him up, brought him to London, and he falls in love with this beautiful girl in a window in a song which is a little bit stalkery. His, the, that song, uh, Joanna, jo is a little stalkery in my opinion. <laughs> just well, a little I mean, bit, he, he just stares at her window for days on end. It seems like, like, okay, done with work for the day. Time to just stare at his window. Yeah, and then of uh, and the turn and jo Johanna, jo Johanna. Sorry, I know someone named Johanna, and it's spelled the same, so it's kind of like brains going. But uh, Joanna is actually Benjamin Barker's daughter, and also the ward of the. Judge Turpin, who wants to nail her, so it becomes a huge conflict with this, where Anthony wants to take her away, rescue her, Judge Turpin wants to sleep with her, and Sweeney Todd wants to rescue his daughter, yet he doesn't know what she looks like, nor does he remember what his wife looks like. All he remembers is she has yellow hair. 
And also throw into the mix a shyster, fake Italian guy played by Sasha Baron Cohen in, I think, his best role ever. It's either this or the or, 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 or similar part in Les Miserables they played. Wait, wasn't she in Les Mis too? Uh, yes. They were. They played the Fenardiers in Les Mis. Yeah, so it's a different movie with without Tim Burton that she was good in. Mm-hmm. Aha! So, but, but, anyway, point is that you have these, all, these three stories going along. You have Anthony's story, you have Judge... Uh, would you say it's Judge Turpin's story more, or is it uh, more Miss Lovett's story? See, the, uh, to me, there's the the, uh, the Sweeney Todd revenge story going on. Um, the Anthony Joanna story, and the Mrs. Lovett, uh, Sweeney Todd, Toby story. That's, that's I think, the most uh, reduced in this film, is that one. Yeah, where it's Toby is the boy who worked for um, Sasha Baron Cohen's character, Adolfo Pirelli, and because Miss Lovett took a shine to him, as opposed to them killing him, they adopt him as their servant, and he discovers things he shouldn't discover. Yes, since this is... Actually, would this play or this movie be under our statute of limitations of ten years, or can we spoil it? The mo- I mean, the movie came out in 07, so that's only six, but it is an older... I mean, the musical's from the, se- from the 70s... From seventy nine, and the story is in, is from the eighteen hundreds. So yeah. I think we could spoil it. But um, okay. So we're gonna go um for the most part, spoilers, everybody. But the end of the movie. This is a tragedy. This is pretty much everybody except everyone ends up broken or dead at the end of this movie. Some people get their revenge, but some people take a terrible cost. And. That's what um, actually Steven Soundheim said about it. This is the story about how revenge, no matter what, is going to go wrong. And that's what it does do. Uh, yeah, no, I think that it, you really can't accept revenge easily in this world. That You might get it, but the cost will be so great that it will uh, either ruin you or kill you. And ruin those and, around you and those who you, know, who you care about, no matter what. Because at the end, I mean, you know, it kills Lucy, his wife. He Who we found out is lied. actually alive. Yes, and Miss Lovett lied to him the entire time because she was in love with him and she wanted him for herself. You have his daughter, who's traumatized now because he almost killed her without realizing that's his daughter. She thought he was a boy because he cut she cut her hair. And then um, Anthony, he saved the girl, but the girl's so broken he doesn't get anything. And then everyone else, I think, is dead except Toby, who's just who's now broken from. Experience, you know, for seeing all these things happen to him, from you know finding out that the pies are in fact made of you know Sweeney's victims, and then in fact being the one who has to kill Sweeney, who ends up ends up killing. I don't really think he has to, but in his mind, it's definitely a he has to defeat. He has, he has to kill this monster. And unlike in the other version, he seems more vindicated because in the other version he just completely snapped because at first he's like uh, Mr. Todd Mr. Todd you have to relax he get away from me then he kills him and then he's still going on with the mannerisms this one he just slits his throat and he has this look of yes I killed the person who was enslaving my lady love who is Miss Lovett well I think I think the difference is with other versions he is actually already a you know mentally unstable individual he has learning disabilities things like that 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 sets it another level deeper where they don't Here's he's a boy, and he's not as problemed in those ways. So I, th- I agree. think that that is part of why they went with not having him, you know, snap and go all you know, crazy. Um, now, we've gone over the plot in a very 
Tarantino-esque way as we usually do with this. What do you think about the overall casting for each of the characters? Let me run down. I mean, I think that Johnny Depp did a good job with the acting for Sweet Top. I don't, I don't quite like his singing, personally. I, I think it was a little too much speaking. That I, it wasn't. He doesn't have a strong singing voice, so I don't think that came off too well. I agree because the the big song. There's two songs which this this play is known for that Sweeney has. You have my friends. And the epiphany is one of the biggest scenes, like when, uh, who was the one who originally did it? It was Lon, um... Len Carew? Is that, I believe, the yes. name? Yeah, Len, when Len Carew did it, it sounds amazing. And then hearing Johnny Depp do it, it's like, eh? It's, Johnny Depp can't, doesn't have, you know, again, it's one of those, this person normally plays with someone with a strong voice, a deep voice. And Johnny Depp, A, does not have a deep voice to begin with. So he can't really do those, you know, that, that it's not written for his, his vocal range. And plus he's doing an accent here, so that'll always make it harder to sing. Yeah, and he's supposed to have a baritone voice, mm-hmm. and it's he's more of a... Probably, I'd say maybe probably a tenor, but I, I'm not an expert on a vocal ranges. And I only know the bare minimum from playing piano for years mm-hmm. and dealing with singers a little bit. But yeah, he, his voice isn't strong enough for it. Um, still, the one song which everyone loves about it, which is... um. A little priest, he does okay with, but there's other issues with that song. He does decent, but I think um, that he just can't. That one, the sing song your voice works okay with. But you're supposed to also have the dialogue in, in the middle mm-hmm. of that, and they took that dialogue out, which makes the song dehumanizes Miss Lovett a little bit, gets rid of her comedy, and it just makes it run uneven. Yeah. And funny story with that, I was when I saw this in theaters, I was opening up some, I was opening up uh, one of the candy boxes I picked up um, Raisinetsy with popcorn. As I was opening up a little priest started, and the lady behind me said, Stop doing that. I want to listen to the song. <laughs> it's like, Really? Can't open up this? Really? You want to hear this? Okay, bye. Fuck you. It was crazy. Still, it's a good song. I like A Little Priest is, is one of my favorite songs, and, but that's at the end. We'll talk about her songs. Helena Bottom Carter, she's got a good singing voice. She, she really does. I'm I'm honestly impressed that she, she does. I don't think she has any formal training, but it's just one of those. An amazing ability to sing sometimes just does come naturally. Because you wouldn't expect her, because looking at her film repertoire, you wouldn't expect her to have a great singing voice, but she does. She doesn't have a stage background or anything, but I mean, this and Les Mis, I think she did really well in it, and those are both strong singing voices, strong singing pieces. Yeah, and this one, she has a lot of songs, and each one, she just goes better and better in it as she progresses. Same thing with our villain, Judge Turpin. Alan Rickman, he's got a good singing voice. He he does. He's not. He, they, um, they cut a lot of his songs though from the stage to the screen. So I think they kind of were worried about that. They did, but the ones they had um, are, and that's actually those songs, especially the Pretty Woman or Women. Mm-hmm. He carries that over. He did better than, uh, than Johnny Depp. But Johnny Depp added a little bit, but more. It was he carried it, and you're like, oh, he he, he kicks ass in it. Joanna, fifty fifty. She's a, fa- she's a fairly 50. standard. I mean, nothing. She definitely is trained to sing, I would say, just listening to her, but she's not, she's not a great singer, but she's, she's a competent singer, is what I would say. Yeah, you would expect more from her singing. She seems more like she's usually in the background. She's a chorus singer. You know, she's usually background, and this is her first time probably singing in, as a as a front, as a lead, and I don't know, just seems missing. I don't know, it lacking. It, it was, I don't think it was that bad, but again, she doesn't, she was like, she only has that one song, and it's, it's a tough song to begin with, in my mind, to sing. Greenfinch and, Burn, uh, yeah. surprisingly, um, 
what is her name? Um, Laura Kelly as Lucy. She all three of her songs were done really well. Uh, yeah, no, she did really well for her for a little bit that she had in the film. Now I'm curious, is she actually a? Um, let's see, is she classical musician? I'm clicking on Wiki right now. Um, yes, she is. She was in the Beauty and the Beast and uh, Les Mis as Epon. That's where I know her from, and she was also she's also a lead in Mary Poppins. So she's yeah, she's a, a credited singer, and she does a good job as Lucy or as the beggar woman for the majority of it, as the crazed woman. They really toned her down though, because I mean, her asking Anthony if she he she wants him to give her a blowjob. I mean, I could see why. Drop it. Yeah, they, they cut out a lot of the sexual humor in this from the other versions. Yeah, and also the the more murderous humor. I mean, I want General with or without his privates. Yeah, and it, and it's funny because they have an R-rated film, and they kind of don't go for that. Yeah, they they go more for the gore, but they could have gone a little further, I think. But as an adaptation, it's pretty. It's interesting. It's not like most musical films. It's it seems like it's in a class all its own, in my opinion. And with each of these, each of these uh, different singers and the way that they interact. Now, the only shame I have is that there was supposed to be two more songs that was actually sung by Anthony Stewart Head who he has a cameo in this but originally he was going to open the film and close the film but they cut that out which I don't know if that would have been good or not because he has an amazing singing voice I mean Rocky Horror Picture Show Repo the Genetic Opera the Buffy musical episode really anything but his album yes that album we don't talk about <laughs> I bring it up whenever I can well, it is my good. job to make sure people know that thing exists I'm, so I'm a bad person they... I'm a bad person so I want people to listen to it you want them to listen to it and then be then be horrified and go, ah, why, why, Giles, why? Yes. Yes. Uh, but do you think he sh- they should have kept his um, opening song to open it? The typical opening, the uh, Ten of the Tales? Uh, you know, crowd? I don't know if that would work as well in a um, in the in the film medium. I think that framing device would might not work nearly as well because that is designed to be sung by a large chorus and there's no real chorus to the film. True, and um, I mean, I would have liked that them to have kept the closer. Maybe I think is the ending credits might have worked, possibly, as opposed to just having the static theme which they've had go through it. Because the movie is seventy percent singing, twenty percent spoken, but it's like ninety percent music. There's no real silent part, which I like. But that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes yeah. It's it's almost through some, almost entirely, but um, there's a little bit missing. Here and there when it comes to singing, so, but it does help to have a little bit of speaking in it, just to kind of relax, you know, to relax it from that point. And also to convey the story a little bit better, and it worked in a lot of the songs where you had the one speaking and the other one sings. Mm -hmm. I mean, the opening song, um, about London, you'd have Toby speak, and then Sweeney would just go into him explaining the story, and it just, it it flowed well. Because say what you will about Johnny Depp's voice, the way it was set up was nice, though. No, that 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 piece did work with the two of them at the beginning, and uh, this it, a lot of the little things worked really well in this film. So I mean, what are the things that worked in this film? You think? I think that they did get a good enough cast to pull off, you know, everyone singing. I think that's the that's the biggest part, really, is to get with the musical you want to have people who can at least competently sing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the the. It's always going from good source material, and so you you know you can fuck up good source material, but you can also still if you don't do that, you it's you'll still end up with something decent. But I th- I, th- I had some problems with like the sort of 
everything being just grey the whole film. They, they, there's just a lack of humor. They kind of dehumored the film as much as they could. They really made it a much more... They, they took it to its bare bones, which it, I can understand why. They don't want a three-hour movie. They took it down to its bare bones, removed a lot of the, the... trimmed a little bit of the fat, and what they came up with was something a little bit more... Dyna- not dynamic, but a little more streamlined, which worked, but a lot of the things that you could have changed. I mean, they're going from stage play to real, and I think we'll keep it with the grays, with only the blood being the real only color. And the stage makeup, I think, was a little much. Yeah, they kind of went overboard on the... Uh, specifically, I think, with Sweeney Todd, most of all, didn't quite fit with his world. Yeah, he seemed like he was something else. I mean, I know you're trying to see like he's he's almost a visitor because he's no longer the man he was, but the way he's ashen white, I mean, they could have portrayed that a little bit differently and looking like he had a little bit too much makeup on his face. Same thing with um, Miss Lovett didn't need that look. Yeah, now they both had that... I think this is the, um, one of the films like that, that defines that overly Tim Burtonified uh, visual look. Mm-hmm. It's that we're going to have main characters who are super pale... And kind of look a little bit like Tim Burton with the weird, wacky hair. Mm-hmm. The white stock was a nice touch, but, I mean, that's what Sweeney Todd's known for. He's known for because of the stress. He has that shook of white in the hair, but, I don't know. It kind of worked. Costume designs worked pretty well. I mean, the best scenes, I think, were the flashbacks. Those were very well done, actually, yeah. But, I mean, those I were like all, it. you know, um, sung over. Those really weren't... No one was actually in those scenes while the film was going on. It was like going... I I understand why they did it like that. It's to show the happier times or the romanticized times of what these characters believed or they wanted. Because you have the By the Sea where it's what Miss Lovett... That's her ultimate end goal is to atop Toby as her son and then have lots of kids with Sweeney who pretty much... At one point he looks like he might be able to become a normal person and then he just snaps even further. He's like... Well, see, there's no point that I could believe that he'd ever fit back into society with this film. That even from the beginning, he has that one goal, and once he's completed that goal, you don't see what his next step is. Yeah, he doesn't have a an, an end, a point after that, and that's one of the things I liked about that one scene, is where she's like, well, you know, your wife is gone, I mean, there's gotta be something afterwards. And he starts to think about it, and he starts to warm up, but then... Um, it was Anthony shows up, and then he just back to the mission. Every anything possibility out the window. Back to killing uh, the judge. So my way in to kill the judge. It's all that matters to him. That's, and I, and I think that kind of makes it a almost boring character here. That this should be at least some affection for Mrs. Lovett, so you can kind of like let her story have some plausibility, or at least some tenderness towards her. But really, he's no matter when it is, he's cold, just as, as a person. Yeah, and she is manipulative and a little controlling. Uh, I'd say and more she, than a little. Yeah, no, she's... It almost feels like she's the mastermind of the whole thing. She is. She takes this broken man and she aims him towards his goal by saying, Yeah, um, you can do this, but help me out and it'll all be good. And I'll get everything I want and you could kind of get what you want, but I still get what I want even though I'm technically lying to you. But I didn't lie to you because I just omitted something. Because I rewatched it, because I couldn't remember if she had hinted that that uh, Lucy killed herself, and no, she just said she poisoned herself, and then that's it. Change the subject. And yeah, it's not lying. It's just not telling. You know, 
It's just letting your mind do, you know. I didn't say she she died, I just said she poisoned herself. But... And that's actually my favorite scene, is when he confronts her. That last song with them, the final song, I love that he, how he just, like, that look, and how he just completely, like, yes, everything's fine, everything's great, and you know he's gonna kill her, but she's like, no, everything's gonna be awesome and amazing and great, and you love me, and we'll be together, and... Nope. Oh, see, I, I, see, I always see fear in that scene with her, that she knows he's crazy, and she knows that... There's very little chance that uh, she will get out of this alive, but I think that when they, as they, you know, that it's done especially with the speeding up of the song, that really helps give her fear that she's, you know, she wants that, but she knows that she's got to get out of this somehow, and she's hoping to get through it's, to that him, but it's fruitless. Yeah, cause the, come, come here, my love, and then it just starts speeding in. It's first she's like. Don't worry, don't fear. I'm not happy. I'm not pissed. I'm not pissed. I'm happy. Forget about it. And you're like, yeah, she's gonna die. And meanwhile, Toby's watching this whole thing, and he's like, uh, right. But I don't think he even comprehended that Miss Lovett screwed him over. Nope, it's just Mrs. Lovett, the person I'm in love with, died. Yeah, yeah, he killed horribly, brutal, brutally. Yeah, and part of you could say that she deserved it, but it's still. You know, at this point, every single person, for the most part, deserved what was coming to them, except for the younger generation in this. I mean, the Beatle deserved to die. Yeah. Turpin, um, love it. Yeah. Sweet. I mean, none of them, they're all horrible people. Yeah, the people who are redeemable, they just, they're um, collateral damage to the situation. Like we said, Lucy, she did nothing really wrong. She just is, she wanted a life and everything went to hell. Mm hmm. And you know, Joanna didn't know any better. She just knew that her dad, her dad, um, her adopted dad, was creepy and touchy feely. And then she finds a boy she likes, and then it doesn't get better. No, there is no happy ending for her. There's no happy ending for anyone because even even Toby, like again, we kind of said this. You know, he's not going to be able to live comfortably in the same world that he's you know been in before. But I mean, but comparatively, I mean, he came from a he was in worked in salt mines to being the errand boy of an abusive Italian. To, to you know, working for working. them. And, but then, but that's the thing, though. At that point, he breaks because of, you know, what the actual thing that was going on there, that things get so much worse. Yeah, because it's that, that the secret ingredient in the pie is why is it so good? And he realizes, I've been eating and killing people! Yeah. And that would drive anybody mad. Would drive them completely crazy. And to Toby, well, that's where he. It's, it's where it ends up. And I mean, the thing is that originally Sweeney wasn't, a, like we said, he wasn't a murderous bastard to begin with. It all it took was the one push, which was from Pirelli saying, give me half your earnings, or, and, because I know who you are. And if you don't, I'm going to tell the Beatle, the Beatle's going to tell the judge, and you're going back to Australia, you're going to be hung till death, and he just snaps. Mm -hmm. And that scene was good because at first he seemed very sedate throughout it. He didn't, except for when he was talking to, when even when he was talking to the Beatle, he didn't seem too crazed. It was just that mo that moment of the passion of him beating him to death with the kettle. Yeah, it, it goes from you know crime of passion to, well, this is how it has to be, and it's the way the world works. Yeah, and then it's this is how we get money, and then I love the second. Uh, the refrain, the repraise of uh, Joanna, I love because he seems just at that point. He's like, I've accepted what I am, and then the one time he doesn't kill anybody, 
I find that really fascinating. Well, see, I've, I've always assumed he's not killing everyone who walks in, just because that doesn't... That there's no way they wouldn't find out about that. It's you know, much quicker. That he's killing what they need to you know, run the pie shop. Oh, I thought differently. I thought he was killing everybody except that one guy because his wife and daughter, daughter were came. there, so he can't get he can't get away with it. And he real he's like thinking that could have been me, and he's kind of just I'll take care of you. There you go. And everyone else just down down the chair. And speaking of which, that chair was awesome. I want it. I mean, other than the uh, you know guaranteed neck snap. I- I'd otherwise, even if you don't get your no, you you put a you put a blanket, uh, 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 like a, a pillow, a uh, not pillow, um, like a, a mat underneath it, and angle it differently. That'd be kind of cool ride. Like woo, maybe yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a fan of head falling head first. Yeah, it, it, it that the chair seemed like a character of its own too in the movie. It seemed like it was its own little just. Because it's like so evil looking, but it was so. It's, it seems alive, and especially since it was all the time he just used it, slept dead, slept dead. And speaking of which, the design in the movie was great. It everything looked really. I mean, I'm not talking about the color scheme, but I'm saying the design, the period piece clothing, the 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 design of the actual straight razors. They're so intriguing. It just it they seem to have this quality, which is it's surreal, but it's also you want to look at it closer. You want to actually have it in your hand, almost. I'll agree with you on the straight razor, although I find that it looks a little more like what you'd see at, like, a Renaissance festival kind of thing, or, you know, some event where people now are wearing those kind of clothes than what people were probably actually wearing. I'm not, I mean, I'm no expert on Victorian garb, but it seems a little... Steampunk. Steampunkish, a little bit. Yeah, what you see at Anime Con, at Comic Con... At the booth that's selling tapes. Yeah. A lot of that clothes seems a little steampunkish, but it works for the film and the universe it creates. It's like an alternate London, almost. It's own little pocket dimension. Um, so let's see. Let's talk about that. Do you want to talk about the CG in the uh, opening credits? Uh, yes. Uh, what did you think? I've been... I'm kind of up to minds about it. It, it seems like it's about five years... Earlier than the film was made, it's it. It looks like a good episode of like reboot than anything yeah, else. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when it starts out, when you first see the chair, it's fine. But then when the blood starts going down, then it's like, what happened? We went backwards in time. What is this? Um, going back to old school like um, virtuosity. It's level? like an early PS2 game, really. Like it's. And at this point, this is 07, so we've had, you know, some really good Pixar, really good DreamWorks films. They, they could have either found someone to do it right, or just done it with actual, you know, prop blood, prop meat. They could have done that, and they did. And if this is a DreamWorks and Warner Brothers film. Come on, you have the technology, you have the ability, you could have made this movie stronger, faster, more powerful, and... Your CG was your CG foo was. Lacking. And the problem putting in the opening credits is it sets a tone for the whole film going forward. That this is the level of care you put into your piece lowers your expectations of the film really because it's like this is what I'm expecting. They should have went more, like you said, more practical. I think. I mean, there was a lot of practicality in the film. A lot of the blood shots, a lot of the was done really well. It was just the CG is terrible. Except for I think I like the. Sp- the cuts, 
the transitions where instead of it just going to black, it actually shows like you zoom through London to wherever the next location is, the next set piece is. I, I think the the difference is that um, the film was probably done at one point, and then they had a separate company do the opening credits. That's what usually happens with those things. That opening credits are not done by the same people who do the film; they're tacked on later by somebody else. Yeah, that would explain why all the Spider Mans and Iron Mans look kind of the same, and they're all kind of generic. Yeah, that's definitely a major part of it in my mind. And this one wasn't... It's not that it was generic, it was just... It seems like they had a good idea, but it would have been better with practical effects. Like, if you had, like, in the pie, it had actually written, you know, Helena Bottom Carter, or if they had, um, on the razor, it it zooms it on the razor, it says Johnny Mm -hmm. Depp, and it shows, like, the aspects of each of the characters of some object, and then it goes through and just shoots past. Kind of, um... Uh, uh, an example of how it kind of worked a little bit was um, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, that's a great example of uh, decent credits. Yeah, because it goes through and you see it's a lot of it is just the actuality. It's in the, it's in the actual state. It's in the actual designs. Like as they're walking around, it's in the grates. It's in the newspapers. Or another one, School of Rock, the opening where you see it's on the different post, the uh, rock posters, and then the actual credit opening is a neon sign which says... That, uh, is another good example of that, where that's the, the city is built of the credits, essentially. Paprika's opening is still the best opening for an anime film, I think. There is... I can't think of another one which is just that good, I mean. Besides that, development took a while. Originally, this was going to be a silent film. I... Instead of a musical? Uh, no, just the musical, but all the dialogue, like the non-singing parts, would have been written. Huh. I mean that. But that was Burton. that would have been that was Burton's interesting oh, twist, uh, interesting thing because they have done it, it. There are silent films at Sweeney Todd, but uh, but uh, but that was apparently uh, Tim Burton's original idea because originally he came to him in 80, 1980 after seeing the film twelve times and said, "Hey, Stephen, I want to make this into a film." Okay, and then Tim Burton disappeared for twelve years. And he was like, "Hey, I want to do it again in two thousand three, and he's like, "I have a script. You want to do it? Okay." And then they came up with this. I mean, I, I can see that. I, I'd be surprised if they gave it. They, if he was actually willing to give it to anyone in 1980. That, well, no, that's actually the high point of the piece. But John, at that point, Tim Burton is a is an unknown factor. He doesn't do Peter's Big Adventure until 85. And then after that, he did Batman and Edward Scissorhands. And then that would be his, his renaissance period. And then he'd go down and come his resurgence later on. I think the choice he made was good, and apparently, reading this correctly, originally Christopher Lee was going to be Sweeney, or Judge Turpin. I, could, I can't, I mean, he's definitely too old, um, really at any point, since 79 to play Sweeney Todd, but I can, I can see him doing Judge Turpin. I think he'd be a very good Judge Turpin, and who else are they saying for casting? Um, Peter Bowles? Nah. Mm. Nah, I can't see that. I really can't. But, either way... <laughs> The fact that the film was shot on green screen, I don't know. I, I don't quite like this, the, the CG, the very CG background a lot. kind of uh, cheapens the look of it, especially, I mean, I just don't think CG's there yet in a lot of these cases. Even even now, I don't think it's, it looks good to do too much CG background. Yeah, no. Um, the physical sets, which, because you saw the CG scenes, and you saw the physical sets, and the physical sets worked better, like Mrs. Lovett's shop, the actual basement, it it gave it a more sense of a uh, reality to it. 
Yeah, no, they, they, it, it has to feel real. I think that's that's was the big problem. As we said, the fake Johnny Depp makeup of the, you know, look like he hadn't slept in a long time, but it looks like he's it kind of looks like he's a little, a little more, bit. you know, almost actually a ghost. Not really. It doesn't quite even fit into this reality. That might be some of the point, but I'm, I'm not sure if that's really what was supposed, you know, was supposed to look as out of place. But then again, it's a Tim Burton film, so. Yeah, because Tim Burton wants his characters to seem if they're dead, they're already dead. They're just existing. I mean, what was the one he did after this with them? It was a corpse. Corpse Bride corpse was the Bride? next one. That was the animated piece. Yeah, and they all, everyone looked like they were dead, mm-hmm. even though you know, except the dead looked more alive. But that was their point. But still, it was. It's interesting. This slasher film slash musical, or is it a music slash? Or how I'd say it's a musical slasher piece. Yeah. I would agree. It's a musical slasher piece that is something which you could actually, if you don't like musicals and you like slasher movies, you'll like this. It's interesting. Um, Mason, the original co-host, her husband had nightmares about this movie after watching it. Mm-hmm. It's he definitely possible. Said, he said, hey, I, I, was, I was over at their house and you hear him screaming, no, Mason, don't cook me into a pie. I'm like, the movie wasn't that scary. And I'm like, holy shit, he's having nightmares about this movie. I mean, it is a very bloody film. Yes, blood. Lots of blood and throat cuttings and blood. You take drinks every time that the throats get cut, and it's... There's a there's, a there's at least one scene where that, that scene alone will uh, put you over the limit. So, um, surprisingly, this movie made a... Even though this movie was got... Well, it got a Metacredit in 83 out of 100. Uh, surprisingly, it tripled its budget. From fifty million to one hundred and fifty-two million, so it did really well. You know, now people talk about it nowadays. It comes up every so often. I mean, it's it. I don't think it's the strongest musical movie out there. Um, they're not the most popular thing in general. And I think that's the reason this is has any that this got released at all because had Tim Burton's name attached to it, and that was during you know one of his high points in his career. And it was also. It had sound time connected to it, which brought extra gravitas. That validated the fact that it was a musical, although a lot of the advertisements kind of scuttled that idea away. Yeah, the the trailer, which I actually watched again before this recording, it only has the one scene of it. The epiphany is the only, and it's only one segment of that. They could have used other songs to show it, but they said, it's all the talking scenes, and then epiphany in the middle. I would have used something, maybe Joanna, or I would have used... um. I might have done two trailers. I might have done one musical and one like non one lesser musical trailer. That way, you can kind of aim at your audience a little better. I'm curious if there's an international trailer which has that. I, well, I'll look at that later after watching um, Shin Mazinger. But I'm fine. Someone said Shin Mazinger's on Hulu, so I'm going to watch that. But uh, again, I digress. Um, so now. Musical, the the cuts. What do you think about them? The truncation of some of the songs and extending of other ones. I mean, I think that you they had to pick, they had to do that in general because it's just a, it's a long piece. Three hours is not a good length for a film in general. But I think that the I mean, I've, I've brought this up several times already. But that that the problem was that you lose a little bit of the fun and humor of it. Because even though it is a you know slasher piece, Sondheim does like to do these really weird bits of humor within just really you know dreadful to- you know hard topics. 
you know, here and assassins uh, into the woods, you know, do all that well. And they yeah. cut the humor out because it just, I don't know, maybe they don't think it'll play as well people that, but I, I disagree. That they, that I think, I think the humor makes it a little more reasonable. It's, I've got that, like, I'm one of the people who I want to have a little bit of, either you've got to do something really over the top and amazing, like Google 13 with your, you know, violent films, or you've got to have a little bit of humor to break it up a little bit. I'm going to laugh at some point, at something. Which was the song that you think was the biggest offender of removing the humor or screwing it up? Um, I would say Little, little Priest, they, they didn't really play the pun. They, they, it's a it's a pun-based song, and they, ha- they, they, they just never, you know, not, not even cracked a smile that the entire time. Yeah, they were acting like sociopaths, and their whole little uh, slapstick bits, like um, them saying, oh, this is Piccolo Pelair. How can you tell? It's piping hot. And, and to me, that actually makes them seem a little more sociopathic in, in, in that, like, they're, they're joking about killing and baking people. Yeah, instead of them just starting off, and then they just go on to skip all that, and I, I'll see about you. What about the job of Executioner? And there's it's, there's so many more little nuances to that song, which made it better. But no, they, they got rid of all of that. I mean, some songs, I admit, they really, they deserve to get rid of, like, um, the, what was it? The one where Anthony is training to become a, a hero. Yeah, I mean, that, um, that subplot is kind of weird to begin with. And they, they did it as quick, as best as they could, but it's, it's weird to start out with, so they kind of, you know, had to remove it and make it seem less crazy. And they just said, we're just going to follow Sweeney. Everyone else is just in his world, and it's kind of from his point of view. Which mm-hmm. works. And he's just the one. It's it's his world. They're just in it. Yeah, he, so. he's, they're his tools more than anything else. And his end result is him depressed and sad and getting what he wants, which is death. Pretty. Yeah, this is, I mean, he doesn't He doesn't really want to live in the world after he finds out that his wife and child aren't there for him. And, and that's what he comes home to, and that's what the whole thing is him coming to terms with that. And that's all it really is. And it's it's interesting that most of Soundheim... Well, what were the big... Besides West Side Story in this one, there was a... Is this a trend where all of them are depressing? Or is it just specifically those three that were depressing? Uh, let me pull up his uh, work. But I think that he... There are others that are a little more depressing as well. Because I think maybe that's a trend. Is he just He's a very depressed individual. There, that is part, definitely a big part of it. That he does. Okay. Uh, no, actually, wait, no. Um, Assassins, yes. Um, the Frogs, yes. Gypsy, I don't no, think so. No, but it has elements of that uh, into the woods a little, definitely. Funny thing happened on the way to the floor. No, he does, he, he does in comedies, uh, not company. Follies, which was... Uh, Sun is in the Park with George is a little bit of that weird stuff going on. Yeah, so he seems fifty-fifty. He he's very experimental. Like he does things differently than other people, which is what makes him great. Yeah, and surprisingly, they had he had a lot of input on this film, and he okayed every little change they did. Which I was surprised at. I thought that he had no input, but no, he had a lot of input with this film. Well, I, I think when you have a director who is you know a fan of the work, they do want to put have the creator if they can be there. Help things along. Yeah, and he 
And overall, he's he he said he was satisfied with the film how it came out, and we can't be like yes, no, we completely disagree with we hated it or we loved it. But we'll give our reviews in a second now. Um, who would you say is your? Um, let's go with no first first favorite scene. What was your favorite scene? In My favorite scene. Or should we say that for later with his favorite say song? Say that for my favorite song. Okay, so then who's your LVP, actor or singer? Um, For singer, it definitely will go to uh, Timothy Spall, who we haven't really brought up much. He only has one singing piece, but it is really hard to get through with uh, that, him singing there. Yeah, but he's also Peter Pettigrew from Harry Potter. I mean, so- he's already an ugly person. I don't want to like look at him in films. But, and that is a, that's a, a tough song lady sensitivities to sing. And they pretty much only took the hardest part to carry for the movie. He, he does not carry it over no. well. Like, I, that's why he's such an, a non-existent point in this, in the film. We really didn't want to talk, you know, cause he's, he's the Beatle. He's the guy that we know is gonna die. And for those of you who don't know what a Beatle is, he's, if I remember correctly, a Beatle is the, it's like a Harker? It's the guy who reads the the charges, I believe. It's almost uh, higher up of a bailiff, if I remember correctly. I think so. I usually does like a, in my mind, it's like the the go the handyman kind of character, the go to guy in some sense. Yeah, he is okay. According to because uh, we just want to, we both want to know what the hell this is. But apparently, a beetle is an official of the church. But a lay official, may- so. That's what I'm reading on Wikipedia. Lay- Wikipedia. Yep, he's a lay official of a church or synagogue who may usher, keep order, make reports, or assist in religious functions. I thought he was. That's interesting. So he's essentially. Oh, he's just. But I, so he's, he is the I think that they've kind of. It's kind of changed over time. Um, yeah. That it's moved from that, but it. it the role can be used in other places, not just necessarily yeah. within a religious set. The church. Yeah, it says in lower on, he's just the, the assistant to the, the, he's the deputy to the judge. And that's just his name, is Beetle Bamford. He's not a bad actor, he works for that sleazy kind of underling, but I could see. So he's your worst singer? What about actor? Um, or is he going to get He that might too? get that too, but he's just kind of playing the same part he always plays. As, for, as Timothy Spall, so I don't, have, I don't have too much problem with that. I don't think anyone was a particularly bad actor here, so I don't. Like, no one that really stands out as like that bothered me. Yeah, no. Um, part of me wants to go with Jamie Bauer as Anthony. His acting was it, a it wasn't much. strong, no, but it wasn't strong. He was the weakest of the actors, singers. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna agree with you on Timothy Spall. Um. What about your MVP actor or singer? Um, for singer, I'm gonna go with Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, she really did a great job whenever she was uh, had to carry a song, and I'm gonna go give her best actor as well for for me. For singer, I'm actually gonna go with Sasha Baron Cohen really? because he only does he only does one song, but he has to do it in a fake accent. And he knocks it out of the park because he's so intriguing and just you're, you're humming that song along the to shave at the face and just he it's, he's such a compelling and interesting character. But then you find out the, the floor drops when you find out he's been faking it the entire time. Like whoa, 
And he's he's not doing the typical Borat, which I liked. Um, actor, I'm going to go with Helena Bonham Carter, because she, even though she, uh, actually, no, 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 because like we said, she has issues. I'm going to say Turpin. I'm going to say Rick. Really? Because he carries it better. He's playing a very similar character to his other one, Severus Snape, Hans Gruber. He's playing that character who he's justifying his own means, but he, he carries it so well because he's so justified in his logic because he's like, oh, I deserve this because I'm the judge. I'm so righteous in this. and it was, it was my right to have Benjamin Parker's wife, and it's my right to marry this girl, and I love her even though I can't touch her, and I'm, I have this very sick side of me, and when we're together, I'll show her that side. And then, like, when he, when Sweeney Todd tells him that she is repented, and he has that look of, that he actually is like, she, she'll have it, she'll have whatever she wants, she has my heart, it's... It's interesting. It's it. You believe that he actually loves this girl in such a weird way. Yeah, I, I see that. Um, I you know he does a good job. I think that's, they really didn't ever stretch the casting here, though. Which I I, I I like to see a lot of times where you know you push your casting a little harder than you know. No, no one is playing against type at any point in this film. I agree. I do agree with that. It's not like with Les Mis, where there were some people who were against type, but that's for the Les Mis episode if we actually do that. If 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 our Dodecahedron actually will dictate that. Music is amazing. Even though they're truncated, their songs are still really good. They're all catchy. I bought the soundtrack after I saw the movie. What do you think about the music overall? I, I, for me, Sondheim is very hit or miss. Sometimes he does a little too unmusical for my taste, but other times when he's on, he is really on. So I, I, I overall, I think this is a great soundtrack, a great uh, set of music. I agree. This is one of his, like I said earlier, statistically, this is one of his two most popular plays that are still running. It's this in West Side Story. So it's and it's won Tony Awards, Oliver Awards, Olivier. Olivier Awards, Olivier Awards. So it's it's still coming out. It's still a very big play musical, and it just it's something which even in schools apparently they release in the book in the play to do it. I would like to see a school version of this. I could probably see it on YouTube, but I digress. So for those who don't know, um, we here at Spire can have a five point rating system how we rate our films. We don't use numbers or stars or thumbs up, thumbs down. What we do is we use phrases. Our highest phrase, our best rating is really, really, really fucking cool. If you don't watch this now, your brain will freeze, your eyes will swell up, and your soul will be forfeit to the ninth layer of hell. You'll be forced to watch episode one for all eternity while Jar Jar Binks massages your shoulders saying, Miss, I love you. Miss, I love you. And a barber shows up behind you and th- cuts your throat. To our lowest rating, which is... Protest outside the local red box so no one rents this reprehensible piece of shit. Our second lowest is head on the background while surfing the internet for porn. Then it's uh, worth watching once in theater or DVD. And then our next one is borrow from a friend and never return it unless offered Mrs. Lovett's pies. So, so out of our five points, I, I it. will give it a uh, borrow from a friend and never return it unless offered. Okay, so unless offered Mrs. Lovett's yes. meat pies. It's so it's good, I don't, but I don't think it's a must-own, necessarily. I don't think it's... 
Like, I would not necessarily give this the, the musical you have to see of all musicals kind of level. No, I'm going to agree with you. It's a good musical. It's not the one that's the end-all, be-all of musicals. It's a good musical, but it's not the best. I'm going to agree with you that this uh, Bar From A Friend and Never Return Unless Offered this, that, uh, Unless Offered Mrs. Lovett's Meat Pies. It's a good, solid musical, but it's not the best one. And as we said, there are some issues with it. The singers are not... Some of them are not as good as they could be. They're they're solid, but they're not... They're missing that little bit extra oomph. They're not Len Caro or... Who was the one after Len Caro? Oh, it was Len Caro, Don Hearn, I want to say, and then uh, Michael Servers did it most recently. And I think he got a yeah, Tony but, nomination uh, out of it. Overall, if you have a chance to check it out, it's a fun little film that's just... It's a little different. If you like gore, you'll definitely enjoyed and if you're somebody who's trying to get your boyfriend or girlfriend to watch a musical this is a good intro i think what do you think i, I think that if you're if you're a slasher person this is for you but it's it's not it's definitely not for everyone in my mind if you're a musical person definitely see it. if you're a slasher person see it if you have someone who you know i don't know if this would get people to like musicals honestly like to get them to i don't think you this don't will think get them would? to break down that wall of like nope i don't like musicals but you think it so it won't be a good entry, but you think it might be uh, interesting. It, it can work if someone's like I don't necessarily, you know, not the biggest musical person, and then like as a way to like get them over, get them over a hump, but not necessarily to break down the wall. Okay, I could see that, and I um, I agree. I mean, I, I mean, I, I agree because I'm, uh, but I see your point. I mean, and it makes sense. Um, so, either way, um, so with that in mind, um, so, since we said before, you can find it all geeksconsidered.com, uh, is there anything else you want to promote? Um, not, not right now. I have, I've got no other new products coming up. Is there anything you're watching right now? In the um, you wanna... I mean, I've been watching Attack on Titan, that's been really enjoyable. I've been hearing very mixed about that. Some people say I should watch it, some people say it's an abomination. It's not abomination level. It's enjoyable, but it's not... Well, Evan, Evan completely rants about the the thing for what he what he rants about, about is that the way people are like over over in love with it more than the show itself, and also them saying that a Titan should eat his his mom, really, or that he's actually a plant Titan, right? Um, yeah. Also, someone said that I should watch uh, Kamisama dolls. I have not seen that one. Yeah, I actually picked up just for the hell of it. Um, the Roni Kenshin new. I've heard that's pretty bad. It's not bad. It's a different interpretation of it. It's a lot cleaner. It's just not as um, it's not as faithful to the manga as I would have expected. And also, it's really well, it's about ninety short minutes total. Long. I mean, I can't imagine it being that faithful to a pretty long storyline. Yeah, but also I would have expected more for ninety minutes. And also, this is old school pricing. So I mean, for ninety minutes for nineteen bucks. And the dealer room wanted twenty four for it, which drove me up the wall. I was surprised at that when Best Buy has it cheaper. Than oh, I mean, I've given up hope on dealers from having decent prices long ago at this point. All I know is you can make good deals if you buy in bulk. That's the only thing I do know. I usually will go to the um, dealer rooms. The, there's one booth I like that usually has decent prices, but usually for older stuff, not for newer stuff. Oh, uh, you're talking Slats. about the um, the one next to the Media booth. They usually have decent prices. Yeah, no, I agree. And also the um, the discount uh, manga anime has decent prices, Yes, there's, there's a, there's a few places that I will go, but I, I, I go to them because I know that they've got 
prices that aren't going to, you know, break the bank if I can't get cheaper on Amazon or right stuff or somewhere else. I've been looking for some good stuff recently because I'm trying to work on a new panel, which I actually want you to be on if you're interested, which is going to be old sci-fi shows because I found my VHS of Outlanders. No, I, I don't. I haven't seen it. Outlanders is pretty cool. It's about a, it's similar to Lum where an invader comes to Earth, but the invader lady falls in love with a human and she goes against her, tr- her people. I'm going to also be a bad anime fan here and admit I've never seen uh, Lum or Earth or Yatsur, depending on what we're calling it today. Uh, it was just, I was, I came to that a little later than that was around and I kind of missed nice. it as time. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to see it, but it's, I'm waiting for someone, possibly Discotech, to, uh, grab it up. I like my, um, CPM licensed copy of Yorosayatsura, which has no English dub at all. It's I mean, so terrible. I'll, I'll take, <laughs> you know, but the thing is that that's hard, that's really hard to find now, so it's not... Yeah, I bought it up when you could get exactly. a hold of it. I mean, I know F... Um, but okay, Tyler... Tyler, I have. Right? I have. I have, I have, I've not seen it, actually. There's a lot of stuff I, I need to just, like, you go haven't. through a pile of things. But I'm doing that with uh, Rosa Versailles right now. On the new uh, uh, uh Right Stuff release. Yes, I gotta pick that up. That one's on my list of to-dos. And also, someone said something about, uh, what is that one which I just picked up? Um, Alright, cool. So, with that in mind, let's get to that party of only. If we're ready for that one, that only... No Dodecahedron of Movies! Yes, friends, the Dodecahedron Movies. Now, what is Dodecahedron? The Dodecahedron is a 12-sided object. And, what, and there are numbers on it. And we're going to roll this Dodecahedron Movies. And whatever number it lands on us, we're reviewing the next episode of the Sparkin Movie Review. And we got some interesting titles and some weird ones. And you're probably wondering, why 9? reason why is, if it lands on a... If it lands on a 10, it is Vinny's choice. You get to choose what we review next episode. Okay. Yes, you get to choose. If it lands on a 10. If it lands on 11, that's roll again. If it lands on a 12, well, that's my choice. And I may choose the, one of the ones that you picked, but let's roll and see what we're reviewing. Okay. Found the floor. There we go. Uh, yep. Alright, it landed on, ironically, number 10. Oh, this is my choice. Yes, you get to choose which of these I get to review. And if it is, if it's one of the interesting ones, that'd be making it very interesting. So, so because I, I, because I suggested this one when we were discussing, uh, episode ideas, I am gonna go with, have you done the, the original Wicker Man? The, the 70s film with Christopher Lee? Well, no, that's your I next, that's not. your next task, uh, in, in the podcast. So in the uh, so is that part of musical right, month so or is that outside of musical month? This is the no. That will be the last of the okay. musical month. Will be will be the Wicker Man. Now explain this to me. Why is do you think the Wicker Man? There is are several happier? songs in that film, including the one they're singing at the end, or that he sings as they're yes. Him but there's one uh, where the lady's naked. There's one with the group around a maypole. It is a musical, a fucking weird okay. British seventies musical. I'm actually I'm debating about having you on for that. I'll episode. do it. Don't you know? I I have no problem. Uh, j- just tell me when. Okay. So then, next week probably same time Thursday okay. or Friday. Cool. So then next episode we're gonna be talking about the Wicker Man and see if it is true if it is a musical or not. In my opinion, we'll it's see. not it's not heavily musical, but um, it is there. If if you disagree with it, I will go with seventy seventy six. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Do you have I'm Amazon gonna... Instant Prime? It's it's uh, on yeah, there, so it's yeah. On there. Okay. I see it. So yeah, so it should be good. So yeah, so next episode we're talking about the Wicker Man. Um, I guess that's it. So any final? Oh, uh, so final thoughts. So uh, your favorite song from 
2006's <sighs> Sweeney Todd. I yeah, that's the problem is that uh, there's a lot of things I like that we're I don't think we're done as strongly as they could have been. Okay, how about this? Strongest from the film and your favorite from the film and your favorite from the play. The I'm show gonna go itself. with a god from the show. Actually, is God that's good. Actually, I think it was the strongest one in the in the movie. Okay. But I I think the Little Priest wins for uh, my favorite overall when when done right. I agree with you. Little Priest is the best. I like the one by Patty Le- Lupone. Like Patty, Patty Lapone better than with Angela Lansbury. She seems a little bit more just dingy, but Patty Lapone seems actually she's enjoying it and she's laughing with it. Uh, for the movie, my favorite song is probably going to be uh, "Pretty Women," the second the repraise of it when everything is revealed. Okay, because I like that it's that it's that it's that game between them because they're both singing it and they're all it's like he's going to do it, but he's going to. Relax, enjoy it, and then fuck it, I'm just going straight out. I'm going to kill kill this bastard. Okay. So, guess this is for this episode. So, see you guys next time, and uh, watch out for your barbers. They may kill you when, when you least expect it. See you next time, guys. Later. Oh, we should have made a Monty Python joke. Nuts. <laughs> Too late. Oh, well, maybe not. Uh, we'll, leave that. we'll leave that for next time. I'm going to stop the recording okay. now. All the ghosts will go away. No, Anthony. They never go away. I'll be right back to you. Half an hour and we'll be free.
What are you doing here? Evil is here, sir. The stink of evil from below. From her. She's the devil's wife. Beware her, sir. She was no pity in her heart. Hey, don't I know you, mister? Mr. Tom? Below, Your Honour. With my neighbour. Thank heavens, a sailor did not molest her. Thank heavens, too. She has seen the error of her ways. She has? Oh, yes. Your lesson was well learned. She speaks only of you. Longing for forgiveness. Then she shall have it. She'll be here soon, you said. Yes. Excellent, my friend. How about a shave? Sit, sir. Sit. Suppose the face of a barber, the face of a prisoner in the dark, is not particularly memorable. Benjamin Barker. Benjamin Barker! Never lied. Said she took the poison, she did. Never said that she died. Poor thing, 
she lived but it left a week in the head All she did for months was just lie there in bed Should have been in hospital and out in bedlam instead Poor thing, better you should think she was dead Yes, I lied cause I love you I'd eat twice the one she was I love you Lovett, you're a bloody wonder, eminently practical and yet appropriate as always. As you said repeatedly, there's little point in dwelling on the past. Now come here, Everything my love. I did, I swear, I was Not only a for thing the best. to fear, Believe my love. What's dead is dead. History of the world, my pet. Oh, Mr. Todd, oh, Mr. Todd, leave it to me. Please learn forgiveness and try to forget. By the same Mr. Todd, we'll become cosy. By the same Mr. Todd, where there's no one knows And him. life is for the alive, my dear. So let's keep living it. Just keep living it. Really living it.
once familiar streets, I feel. Ghosts. Everywhere. In London, there lives a legend of a barber named Benjamin Barker. He had a beautiful child and a loving wife until a corrupt and powerful judge destroyed his life. May the Lord have mercy on your soul. Fifteen years. Fifteen years dreaming. I might come home to a wife and child. So is you, Benjamin Barker. No Barker. It's Todd now. These are my friends. Sweeney Todd. See how they listen. And he will have his revenge. Where's my wife? She's gone. And he's got your daughter. There must be a way to the judge. And I will get him back, even as he gloats. In the meantime, I'll practice on less honorable friends. That's all very well. But what are we going to do about him? The judge. Where's Lucy? He has her locked in the madhouse. I'll make sure that you shall know I've set eyes on her again. I will have vengeance. These are desperate times, Mrs. Abbott. I will have salvation. Desperate measures are called for. Haven't we had enough of this foolish chatter? If you'll indulge me, sir, why don't you come upstairs? Let me pamper you. We could have a life, us two. Who's going to catch on? You'll rule the day you were born. May the good Lord smile on you. It's man devouring man, my dear. Then who are we to deny it in here? I can guarantee the closest shave you will ever know. Wheels of anyone, Wheels meaning of anyone, and to anyone. Seems like the fates are favouring you at last, Mr. T. How about a shave?